Everybody has their thoughts on this matter. Each of us have our strong opinions, and most people have already made up their minds, haven't you? We all have our preferences. I know I did. People are deeply divided and polarized on this subject. They're willing to go toe-to-toe over this issue. We are willing to defend our positions with an insistent fervor. You see, I grew up in central Pennsylvania loving barbecue. Anybody else? Especially my mom's own recipe. You might ask pork or beef, right? Showing your preference from the side of the Mississippi where you live. In this side, it's predominantly pig, right? Pork from the tangy mustard base in South Carolina to the vinegar of fresh air barbecue down in Jackson, Georgia, from the Red Slaw in Shelby at Bridges Barbecue Lodge or the short drive from there up to Lexington number one, or Big Bob Gibson's white barbecue sauce in Decatur, Alabama to the ribs at the Rendezvous in Memphis. And let's not forget Mutton at the Moonlight in Owensboro, Owensboro, Kentucky, or the amazing tastes and textures of Korean barbecue right here in the city. Or maybe you have Texas roots that make you fond of cow, delicious beef brisket and beef ribs and some German sausage to go with us. Most of us have a strong opinion on the matter, ready to defend our preferences, and I'm ashamed to admit it, but I loved barbecue growing up, or so I thought. Pennsylvania coal region barbecue, you've probably never heard of it. It goes by another name. Hamburg barbecue. It's what I grew up with it. I loved it, but I was so uninitiated. You might call them sloppy joes or even wimpies, but when we were asked for barbecue where I grew up, that is what you got. Hamburg barbecue. It had a key ingredient. A key ingredient to make it taste just right. Paul offers the people of Philippi a recipe for what it means to be the church, the body of Christ. Will you listen for the key ingredient in Paul's letters to the Philippians, the, chap- the second chapter, verses 1 through 12? If then, if then there is any encouragement in Christ, any consolation from love, any sharing in the Spirit, any compassion and sympathy, make my joy complete. Be of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility regard others as better than yourselves. Let each of you look not to your own interest, but to the interest of others. Let the same mind be in you that was in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not regard equality with God as something to be exploited, but emptied himself taking the form of a slave, being born in human likeness, and being found in human form, he humbled himself. He humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore God also highly exalted him and gave him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bend, in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. Therefore, My beloved, just as you have always obeyed me, not only in my presence, but much more now in my absence, 
Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who is at work in you, enabling you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. This is the good news according to Philippians, and our response should be, thanks be to God. Did you catch the key ingredient? Paul mentions it three times to make sure we don't miss it. Paul loves the people of Philippi, and like a technical challenge in the great British baking show, he assures them that they have all the ingredients to be the church that God is calling them to be. From his prison cell, Paul runs down the list of the ingredients they already have in their pantry. Two overflowing cups of encouragement in Christ? Check. Two cups filled to the brim with comfort and love? Check. Two cups of fellowship that build people up? Check. 16 ounces of sympathy and a pound of compassion? Check. It was all there. I have seen all of those here at Dunwoody as well. Encouragement to overflow. An 85-year-old member of our church calls people on the church roll to check in on them and then calls staff people to tell them how much he appreciates their work in preparing for worship. Encouragement that overflows. Consolation in love. The care and comfort that you offer to people in times of grief and struggle is extraordinary. Fellowship. Fellowship that builds people up. I've witnessed it here in Sunday school classes, in Bible studies, the choir, our UMW, our RM groups. The joy expressed when you see each other at outdoor worship builds people up. It builds me up. And finally, compassion. From your packing meals at food stock to two men mentoring a small group of ninth grade boys. We even had a family ask if the church could create a safe learning pod for high school seniors who are in public school to meet here at the church, and the church found a way. And then we added a group of ninth graders, and others are contemplating starting more pods. The son of one of our members said this week, compassion is empathy that takes action. Paul says, mix them all together and make his joy complete. You have the ingredients. You've been given all the ingredients that you need. And yet there's a sense that the Philippians are not living fully into their potential. They're called to something more, and so he reminds them of who they are called to be. In order to complete this recipe, here is the key ingredient. He says it three times. You need to be of the same mind. The same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. Let the same mind be in you that was in Christ Jesus. God wants to change our minds, replacing the way we think with the way Jesus thinks. I had someone from the church come in to visit me the other day in my office and he shared with me some struggles he's been having with the church. He pushed me, and I listened, and then I pushed him some, and he listened, and we were having a vigorous discussion, both in the green zones with hearts at peace, hearing each other, learning from each other. Now, I assure you, we did not agree about each and every item that we discussed. We didn't. But then he said this, Preacher, I'm not looking for agreement. I'm looking for growth. 
What a great attitude. That is really what Paul seems to be saying here with this word, the mind of Christ. He's saying, take on the attitude of Christ in all you say and do. We did not agree, but we were of the same mind, having the same lo love, listening to each other with the mind of Christ. The key ingredient for the church is sharing in the mind of Christ. Sharing in the mind of Christ that brings unity, that makes us united in love. Will Willimon says it so well. He says, Paul is writing to an early congregation and he says some beautiful things about Christ and the Christian life. Then Paul finally gets down to what's bugging him. Disunity. Please think as one, he says, love as one, be united. Don't do anything out of selfishness. Instead of looking out for yourselves, watch out for the good of others. Act like Jesus. Paul says, you're Christians. Be united to one another in the same way that Christ has united with you in self-sacrifice. This is Willimon at his best. He says, notice how Paul ministers to the problem of divisions and factions in a church. He doesn't name or tackle the disagreements directly. He doesn't try to position himself on one side or the other, mounting arguments for and arguments against. Paul doesn't even attempt to find some elusive middle ground or moderating position. Rather, Paul quotes from what we believe to be a popular early Christian hymn of his day. Paul elevates the discussion, asking folks to stop the bickering down here and rejoicing in what Christ has done up here to look up and to really live. Though he was in the form of God, he did not consider being equal with God something to exploit, but he emptied himself by taking the form of a slave. He humbled himself even to the point of death on a cross. Paul doesn't talk directly about the divisions. Rather, he sings about the glory of Jesus Christ. He doesn't focus on our differences. He focuses upon what we have most in common. God who is for us, for all of us, who loves us and saves us together in Christ Jesus. Paul is bold to tell this divided congregation, adopt the attitude that was in Christ Jesus. Paul tells them that and he wants them to think as Christ thinks, to do what Christ did and what Christ does. Might we sing together even when we don't all agree? It's what Methodists have always done. Jesus, name above all names. I know that my Redeemer lives. Or especially this week as we remember Johnny Nash, might we sing together, no matter the weather, weather outside today. I can see clearly now the rain is gone. I can see all obstacles in my way. Gone are the dark clouds that had me blind. It's gonna be a bright, bright, bright sunshiny day it's going to be a bright bright sunshiny day i think i can make it now the pain is gone you feel how the song begins to elevate you and take you beyond where you've been it's going to be a bright bright sunshiny day and that is god's promise for all of us in christ even though it might be raining in your life today what do we need to bring unity 
We're not all asked to sing in unison, all hitting the exact same notes. As God knits together a church, there is that strong baseline, the foundational ingredients of encouragement, love, community, and compassion. And then that soprano line that lilts even higher, lifting our eyes upward and Godward. Or the rich, nuanced alto line that shows depth and commitment. And then the vaulting tenor that brings joy and variety like a groundbreaking eruption of an Eddie Van Halen guitar solo. Might we sing together of what Christ has done, uniting us in a hymn of praise that lifts us all up? The key ingredient in Hamburg barbecue, I know you've been waiting. Y'all, it's one cup of ketchup. And not just any ketchup, especially not Hunt's. It's Heinz ketchup. I could always taste the difference when someone deviated from the correct recipe. I just knew it. When something is missing, you can really taste the difference. This week, my wife Elizabeth tried out a recipe for the big red Heinz ketchup cake. Any guesses on the key ingredient? Ketchup. Heinz ketchup. Paul wants the key ingredient for the church to be that obvious. Not agreement on everything, but a sharing in the mind of Christ. The same love, a self-emptying love that puts others before ourselves. Now the Greek basically says it this way, you don't always have to be first in line. Put others in line before you. Make a way for others. Simon Sinek, who was trying to find a title for his second book, after his great book, Start With Why, had become a bestseller, he was working to find a title for the second book, but he and his publisher could not get on the same page. They fought about it. They were not of the same mind about the title for the next book. They emailed back and forth, back and forth, making each other angrier and angrier and never even be able to come to even close to a decision. So finally, Cynic went to have lunch with his publisher, and rather than talking past each other via email, they had a real conversation. They started to tell stories about their ideas and positions, and Cynic told a story about the research he'd been doing. He told of an interview with a Marine general where he basically asked, what is the key ingredient to being a Marine? What is the key ingredient to the Marine's success? Could you summarize what makes the Marine Corps leadership style so unique? And the general said, it's quite simple. It's because officers eat last. This fundamental intentional concept explains what makes the Marine Corps so extraordinarily tight knit to the point that they, are, they willingly trust each other's lives to one another. In every chow hall across the globe, Marines line up for their food each day, and the most junior-ranking Marines eat first. Their leaders wait for the others to go first. Their leaders eat last. Such procedures are not written down somewhere in a Marine Corps handbook or a procedural code. They're not communicated at roll call. It's just the way that the Marine leadership teaches responsibility. Many people think leadership is about rank, being first in line, using, having your power. But ma Marines maintain true leadership is a, willing to place, a willingness to place others' needs above your own. For the Marine, it's not a secret, but part and parcel of their esprit de corps, as my friend Ed Trundle reminded us this week as we were studying this scripture together in staff meeting. So Sinek and his publisher discovered the title for his book, Leaders 
eat last. True leadership, he writes, is about empowering others to achieve things they didn't believe possible. Paul writes to the Philippians, let the same mind be in you that was in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not regard equality with God as something to be exploited, but emptied himself, taking the form of a slave, being born in human likeness and being found in human form, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Last year for my mom's birthday, I took her to the Atlanta History Center to record some of her history at the StoryCorps booth there. She shared many of the stories of her life and now it is preserved in the Library of Congress. If you haven't done that with a loved one, you ought to go do it. But I will never forget another story of a mother and a son talking on StoryCorps. A mother was talking with her son who was in fifth grade at the time. He started out asking her, Mommy, what emergency drills did you have as you were growing up in school? And she, of course, said there were fire drills and tornado drills, and that was it. And then she asked him, So can you tell me exactly what happens in those active shooter drills you have at school? He said the teacher's supposed to lock the door, turn off the lights, and push this big desk behind the door. And the first time I did an active shooter drill, Mom, I saw my teacher having a hard time with it, so I decided to come help her because if she doesn't get the desk in front of the door in time, the intruder can get in and open it. So the mom asked, what do you do next after you push the table against the door? He said, the class is supposed to stand on the back wall, but I decided to stand in the front of the class because I want to take the bullet and save all my friends. His mother said, so does your teacher ask you to stand there at the front of the class? He says, no, my life matters, but it's kind of like there's one person that can come home to the family or there can be 22 people that come home to a family. His mother said, do you know why it's so hard for me to accept that? And he says, because I'm such a young age, I shouldn't really be giving up my life like that. You shouldn't have to worry about that, mom. That's exactly right, son. If there's any time that I would want you to be selfish, it's then I need you to come home. Son, would you still stand in front of your friends even with me telling you not to? And he said, yes. I get that you'd want me to come home, Mom, but it's really not a choice that you can make. It's a choice that I have to make. And Mom says, I see that now that there's nothing I could say that would change your mind. I just hope that it never comes to that. Her son says, talking about this makes me feel sad, Mom, but you raised a good person. And she says, and that's why I can't have these kind of conversations with you. You keep saying things like that and I'm speechless. You're 10 years old and you don't even clean your room. And there's no handbook for any of this. This is why the conversation always ends between you and me in dead silence, because I'm a mother and I just don't know what to say. And a little child shall lead them we hear the echo of this Christ hymn, this hymn about Christ in the life of a 10-year-old boy. How did we lose the clarity of faith we had when we were 10? Mom, you raised a good person. 
Therefore God also highly exalted him and gave Jesus the name that is above every name. So at the name of Jesus, every knee should bend in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. You might not agree, but I still think the brisket at Fox Brothers is the best. With the pimento cheese and the onion, I think that might be the best in Atlanta. And the mac and cheese at Community Q, you can't beat that, but I'm willing to be convinced. And the music at Dunwoody, with all of our voices praising God in harmony, I don't think there's anything better. I'm not looking for agreement but I'm looking to grow into the likeness of Christ, taking on the mind of Christ and singing together. May our voices be united in praise for Christ, our hands be at work in mission for Christ, and our hearts be at peace, knowing that Christ is Lord, being of the same mind, the mind of Christ. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.